to the Authentic You podcast. I'm Gemma Sandwell, intuitive coach, TEDx speaker and energy healer. And I'm here to help you connect to your authentic best self so you can flourish in life and business and live your purpose every day. I bring you a combination of personal development tools, neuroscience, energy tips and expert speakers to help you be authentically you. So welcome to the Authentic You podcast. I am very excited today to have the amazing Luke Anning with me here today. And thank you for being here, Luke. Thank you for accepting my invitation. You're so welcome. Thank you for inviting me on. I really, really appreciate it. Oh, awesome. So Luke is a, do you say badass or badass? Because we're from the UK, aren't we? Do we say I'm badass? from like the Southwest, so it's definitely yeah. badass. Badass. <laughs> <laughs> love it so Luke is a badass a business and mindset coach and podcast host of the top two percent podcast the happy positive energy game he has a social media family of over 1.5 million viewers including entrepreneurs coaches and business professionals who he guides his expertise and passion for helping coach people to become leaders of their industry and um, what an incredible story as well that Luke has shared with me here so Luke has um been on a journey of anxiety, depression, suicide, and living out of his car. And he guides people through thought-challenging, mindset reframing, marketing and sales to grow themselves to their business to its most badass version. So what an incredible intro. Thank you for being here, Luke. <laughs> and I will just share with everyone that the invitation that I gave Luke um, to join me on the podcast was unlike any other that I've ever experienced so I'll just share like that story Luke of how that came about <laughs> um, just so, to people to get the context so Luke popped up on my Instagram um, on a live video and I just thought like it wasn't you've not even spoken any words and I just thought there's something about this guy's energy I just need to connect with him so we connected and we started chatting and then I invited you on the podcast so that doesn't usually happen in that way um so yeah very different um it was more like an energetic connection so I really felt like you needed to be here and that we needed to connect and we needed to have this conversation today so let's see how it goes so um so do you want to add is there anything you want to add in terms of what you've um put there in your in your bio like anything you want to add to what I've said I mean I think the listeners and watchers would love to know um love to know about that journey like how did you you know how did you go from that anxiety depression living out of your car to where you are now yeah so um there's so many twists and tails to my journey but from um when I was born uh, my parents are very hard working they're seven days a week working um middle lower class family I suppose um they're grinders um, but because of that, and me being a child at the time, I took that as a reflection of my parents aren't around, they don't love me. So from six to 24, I was depressed. And I had that story um, running along in my life. And part of that also with the depression side of things was hiding the identity of me being pansexual. I thought, hey, I'm going to be a Jack the Lad type, like, really in your face I always played played contact sports was very aggressive in my contact sport playing like I literally would play contact sports just to hurt other people and I was just very I was a very mentally ill child and 
from there, I always, always, always stood out, but I would try and fit in so hard. I would people, please, people, please, people, please, people, please. And it's a running story with the people pleasing. And it, it really destroyed relationships. It's how I got in the situation of my sexual abuse. Um, it's how I got in a situation of doing a degree that didn't align with me because I already told my parents, hey, like I'm doing this degree and this is what I'm going to do. And I went to university for wildlife conservation. And I remember after the first year and first year at university, if you've been, is pretty much just getting drunk and getting high. So after my first year, I really didn't want to be there anymore. And I was so anxious about leaving, about what my parents would think. I just forced myself to stay. But because I forced myself to stay, it wasn't that I hung around with a crowd that necessarily were good for me and I I love my university friends like they're cool people but like we got up to some stuff and from there I just was doing MDMA and ketamine like at least twice a week every week for six months on end whilst doing my degree and um it was just a constant push for escape a constant push for escape and that's what led me to my second suicide attempt where I was on a bridge and I'd been on that bridge for hmm, about two weeks back and forth each night and I would just sit there and I would just watch the cars go by and I would just cry to be honest um and then there was one night that I'd stood on the rails and I was very very close to to jumping off and there was just this voice that came forward and was just like this isn't what you're meant for like just just keep moving forwards at this point just keep moving forwards and that's something that's stuck by me my entire life is that whenever anything comes up is to just keep moving forwards and I leave it at the bottom of some of my social posts as well but from that point I carried on with my degree finished off with like a 2-2 and then was working for delivery like full-time delivery so I was working like cycling 30 to 40 hours a week which is kind of I think I guess where an aspect of me being a hard worker has come from and then after I did that I, I closed out um, my time in Bournemouth and I moved on to uh, working in construction and ultimately the construction was hard work obviously seven to five sometimes five till five and I was just pushing 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 five hours of sleep a night I was training I got into a relationship and then um, from the relationship, it was very toxic. I was getting paralytically drunk every weekend and I got an events marketing opportunity, which was kind of my first point of starting to move out, but I was still in this relationship. And I, if you're listening, you might resonate with this where you're in a relationship and you feel like you have a responsibility to make it work, even though it doesn't align with you and you stay in it and you're just it crushes you like you lose a part of your soul every day I think and it got to a point where I was disloyal and then we moved in together after that and then we tried to make it work tried to make it work tried to make it work and it just wasn't happening and it came to a day where I was like hey let's call it quits she moved back to uh, her place and I moved back in with my parents 
And on the day that we broke up, I said I wasn't going to suffer like I had done in my old relationships because I'd been in back-to-back relationships from 16 to 24. So I'd never really developed a sense of self. I'd never really had a goal. I was always following other people and I was always just kind of going with the flow. And I, I said that I'm going to get a fitness coach. And on the day I got a fitness quote, coach was the day that we broke up. So I, I started finally doing things for myself, started having a goal for myself. And then I went to a party with a friend and I was at this social gathering and, you know, you're getting in your little chit chats, you're communicating with everyone. And my best, my best friend at the time said, oh, okay. So like, what are you going to do now? Are you going to be like a laborer for the rest of your life? And like, it was just like, a gun went off in my head. I was like, no, like, cause you ask your brain the right question. You'll, you'll be guided through. And that's why I teach my clients with the sales side of things is like, ask that long-term question. Cause nobody gets asked that. And then it was a week later and I was listening to a podcast and I was listening to the podcast and the dude was like, look, if you don't like your life, can I swear by the way? Yeah, we've had loads of swearing on here. If you don't like your life, authentic you podcast. <laughs> I, I did think that. Yeah. And the guy was like, hey, if you don't like your life, fucking change it. And I was like, I'm going to change my life. And that night, I called up the events marketing opportunity. And I pretty much begged Mitch, the manager. And I was like, hey, like, please, please give me a job. Like, I don't care what you have. I will be there Monday. Like, hadn't sorted out my accommodation, hadn't sorted out anything. I was like, I will be there Monday. Please help me. Like, I don't want to be here anymore. And from there, I got given an internship and I quit my job. So this was the Wednesday and I I went down to Bournemouth on the Monday. I called up a friend and he was like, yeah, like I'll have a place for you, but you'll be sort of staying on the floor. And then like, I can't guarantee that you're going to have a place every night. And I was like, okay, cool. Like I'll sort it. I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out. And then the internship was um, just not enough to get by, to be honest. So I was like, I'll supplement that and actually use my degree. So I did bat surveying at night and then marketing and sales in the day. And then I was bodybuilding as well. So I would get like three to four hours of sleep, work the marketing and events, get maybe a nap in or a workout in and then go and work the bat surveying. And I did that for four months. And then after that, I lost the events marketing and sales role because of people pleasing. Again, I basically got into a situation where uh, we were in a group chat for the events marketing and sales. And my friend was like, hey, can you help get these lads on on this event? And they were pretty misogynistic, to say the least. So I got involved with the misogynistic banter. That banter then got put to the university. The university then kicked these students out. And then recognize they were like, hey, these other people aren't actually going to the university. These people are just events people. And then the events company were like, hey, we love you, but like we can't keep you on. Like we can't, like, you can't, you can't have this come back to us. So it's like shit. So I lost the job. And then I started falling back into the wrong crowd. So I'd said that I'd done MDMA and ketamine before, but then I was smoking weed every day and I was drinking uh uh lean laced with fentanyl um and then i was still finished like this is a time where like i looked absolutely incredible with my bodybuilding i was shredded five percent body fat but i was still destroying my body but i was having a lot of people reach out to me and say like hey like i really love your fitness thing can you do me a fitness plan or can you do me me a meal plan or hey could you help me out with this thing and i'd been motivating people on my instagram story for like 
three, four years up to this point, just trying to like help people out here and there, even though like I was getting messed up on drugs. So it's sort of self-imposed, but also for other people. And I basically had a night terror and a panic attack within the same space of six hours. And I was like, why would I change somebody's life for one night with a music event, which was my passion, when I could change their entire life with training? So then I started coaching and I was like, yes, like coaching sick, had eight clients straight away. And then we went into the third lockdown. So then I had one client and I didn't know how to support people at the time. So then I was like, just pushing like all the basic things that you do when you're starting a coaching business, you don't really know what you're doing. So I spent like four days building a website logo that I ended up changing a month down the road. And then um, just all these low leverage tasks. And I ended up getting involved in a business mentorship program. And I was still pushing hours. Like these were still like hundred hour weeks every at least I was sleeping again at this point, mm -hmm. but got involved in a business mentorship program and then made just under $10,000 in my first 30 days. And then just kept building onwards from that. And then I, I really came to terms with fitness and mindset was fun, but it wasn't for me. Love the transformations, just didn't personally enjoy the setup side of things with people. So I transitioned to confidence and mindset and that was great, but it was too general. So I had the niche down. So I started from, I, I had the fitness and mindset, then I switched to confidence and mindset. So I was at square one again um, with my client base. I had to literally start from ground zero because everybody knew me as a fitness coach. So nobody knew me for confidence and mindset. So at the start of ground one, make all the mistakes again um, and relearn everything. And then that worked out really well. Got myself to five figures a month. And then um, I was getting so many coaches reach out to me saying, how are you doing this? And how are you doing that? Hey, like, can you help me on this sales call? Can you help me with this DM? Can you help me with this and this? And I got this insight when I, when I scaled out for like the next five to 10 years, I was like, what, who do I really want to be helping? And I was like, I want to help people who love helping people help more people. Like I want to help coaches. That's what I want to do. So spoke to some mentors um, and I was coming out of a mastermind that didn't really work out. And I was like, I'm going to do it. But at that time I had no money. And my coach was like, my coach at the time was a good friend. And she was like, Hey, so how much money have you got right now? I was like, I've got 200 pounds left in my bank account. I've got 10 K of credit card debt, um, 6 K in debt to this mastermind that didn't work out that promised me loads of things, but we didn't get the result um so yeah that's where I'm at and she was like I'm gonna put you on a payment plan because I know it's you and I know you're gonna show up and do the work you just need to be funneled into the right stuff if you're gonna be helping people with stuff I was like okay cool so she put me on a payment plan earned thirty six thousand dollars in my first month and then she just skyrocketed <laughs> from there so really it's a it's a lot of up and downs mental health challenges as well as business challenges I've really learned a lot of things the hard way which is why I'm able to help people do things the easy way. So you basically get to skip all the mistakes that I made and um, and keep moving forwards from there. What an incredible story, Luke. Thank you so much for sharing that and for being so open and vulnerable there. Um, yeah, really. And, I, and as you could see, I was so those on, on watching this on the YouTube version of the podcast when it's live, I would see me like nodding along, like really resonating with everything that Luke was saying there. What I loved, like... What I loved was that um, authenticity thread that was running through that. Um, 
you said that you know you you recognize sort of the the conditioning from your parents and sort of what had happened there and then this this voice that came in that sort of like like you said when you slow down and you listen there's that there's that voice from within and that's that authentic thread isn't it um can you like if anyone's listening thinking like where is that voice and this is something that I talk about a lot like listening to that authentic voice over you know there's so much noise isn't there from like for, whether that's from our conditioning from our childhood from our parents the voices of our parents that like we take on as ours um what would you say to those listening about like clearing that out of the way to just come back in touch mm. with who you authentically are and that voice that was starting to come through for you that's now led you on this journey mm. yeah it's it's giving yourself an opportunity at least at least the way that I like to perceive it is most people don't ask themselves the right questions mm. at all so they never give themselves an opportunity to actually answer them. Your brain's the most powerful organ in your body. So you give it a question, it's going to give you the right answer. I actually caught myself out this morning saying, why are you feeling depressed right now? I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. We're not going to play that game. We're not going to play that game. Because I asked that question and my brain's going to give me the answers mm -hmm. to why I would be so supposedly feeling depressed in a certain way. But it's asking yourself the right questions, but also not avoiding the opportunities that you have to actually have the voice. So, so many people avoid by first thing they do when they come back from work, you know, they've been doing, doing, doing all day. And then they come back home. First thing they do, they put TV on. Mm -hmm. So then they're avoiding. So then they're doing more. Mm -hmm. And then they do that all the way up to, okay, it's tea time now. Mm -hmm. And they might not even like, actually sit there and eat and have a conversation they might then put the tv or screen back on again so we're avoiding more and then you get to bedtime and yes we've got the aspect of screens there and then people get into bed and they wonder why they can't go to sleep because this voice is like hey like i finally got an opportunity to speak here's all the information that you didn't deal with earlier and here's all the negative shit because our brain's going to focus on the negative because if it's focusing on the negative these are problems for you to solve not problems for you to avoid, mm -hmm. then no wonder you're not going to be able to sleep. Like no wonder it's going off at night. Like for example, I was in a bit of a work heavy phase the past couple of days and I get, I get to bed and I'm just like content idea, content idea, content idea, content idea, content idea, which usually I have space for that in the day, but it's that aspect of space. And even Elon Musk has this as well, where he has a dedicated two to three hours of just creative, innovative thinking to allow his brain to process things, allow him to process materials. I've got a great little exercise that I do for this every Sunday, actually. It's a little bit like a brain dump. And I think if you're getting started, you've never journaled before, it's a really good thing for you to do. And a simple brain dump would be, hey, get a piece of paper, just write, just write. And even if it's going to help you, stick a timer on for five minutes and don't stop until you, until you finish. But I like to do it a different way. I learned this from the book Productivity Ninja by Graham Alcott. Absolutely gold. Changed my life, changed my business. And rather, if I write down one idea, let's say, okay, make sure that you process those invoices from earlier, right? Something simple. I'm going to write that one piece on the piece of paper. I'm going to rip it off. And I'm going to put it into a pile. And then eventually, I'm going to have anything from 20 to 60 things. And then once my brain is not thinking of anything else and I'm purely clear, then like all the overwhelm, the stress is just down. Like I'm just good. And then from there, what I'm going to do 
is I make myself sit there because sometimes there's some resistance and I just pick up one piece of paper from that one piece of paper. If that's an actionable item that I can do in less than two minutes, I'm going to do it straight away. If it's not something that I can't do in two minutes, it's going to go in the calendar or something that I have called a master actions list, which is a bit like, it's really a list that batches certain things together because so many of us do so many different things. And this is why I have a content day, a podcast day, a connecting day, a networking day. I have these days so that I don't have to make as many decisions in the day as possible because I've got ADHD and I don't want to play that game. And so I sort these out into different lists. So I have a finances list, I've got an assistant list, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I've also got a me list. And the me list is about being authentically me, being my being in my space, being who I want to be. And that's like, hey, in my paper, there might be a question that might be like, how can I support myself a little bit more this week? How can I feel a little bit more loved this week? How can I feel a little bit more happy this week? And even though I'm a business coach, like these things are so important for your mindset, because if you're not feeling good, you won't take action. You can only force the work harder for so long like I'm only able to work astronomical amounts of hours because I feel good and I'm winning and I feel like I'm winning I really say to a lot of my clients like you'll only burn out if you're not winning if you're winning you have no problem like people have like everybody has their different balances I appreciate everybody has their different amounts of hours but I think everybody's balances are different. Like for me, I don't have a relationship commitment. I don't have a kid's commitment and that's okay. So my commitment is to myself and to my growth and to my client's growth. So with that, I onboard the aspect of, I don't do what is, I don't do my best. I do what is required, which is a quote from Alex Hormozy. So with that, I'm like, okay, cool. What's required for me to achieve my goals right now? Okay going to do the things that support me the best. So that's going to be looking after myself, first of all, and then applying the majority of my other time to tasks within the business and then adding the social sector for the social connections that I want to make as well. There's a lot of intentional action. And I think in order to step into that authentic version of you, you really have to be intentional with how you're doing that. You can't act the same way as you've always acted. Like, the road that got you here is not going to be the road that got you there. So if you can step into that and that frame of trying some new things and doing some things differently, you're going to start experiencing a different version of you, which ultimately brings out a more authentic version of you. I think. I love that. I love that. Um, Firstly, I love the thing about giving your brain space. I hadn't really looked at it in that way before, but you know, I've heard that a lot from my clients that like in lockdown, when, when they actually took the time to sit within some just incredible things happen it's given space for that voice um so yeah like you're saying like by avoiding and avoiding and avoiding that then that voice isn't going to come through until you lay down that's your first opportunity when you lay down to go to sleep so yeah I think that's a really that was a really great way of looking at that and then also what I heard in there was that that kind of authentic thread and I love what you said about and this is um did you say that you were a reflector in your human design Mm-mm. no I'm a 2-6 generator oh you're a generator I was going to say Capricorn. I thought I saw someone that you were a reflector and I thought I don't feel like he's a reflector and um, <laughs> I feel like this comes into human design as well because when you're following that truth like you say you 
you're going to have energy you're going to keep going you're going to be able to keep going like you say when you're winning and, and for me as a as a Manny Jen like I kind of have that sacral energy and as long as that sacral energy is like is lit up and um I'm following that I can have limitless energy as soon as I do something that's not in alignment with that and doesn't have that theme of um I don't know if it's the same for you I've got like satisfaction and frustration so as long as I'm satisfied I can keep following that path as soon as I go into frustration if I follow that path as a no so yeah I really like how you brought that to life with like if you're winning it's like well actually if you're in alignment then you're winning and you can continue because energetically you can continue mm-hmm. down that path so mm-hmm. made a lot of sense mm-hmm. yeah like I'm when I'm on top of my habits when I'm showing up for me working out steps great food that's really in alignment with my energy like I'm so hot on my food because of the ADHD like if I have sugar you can expect no work output from me for the next two and a half hours like easily or if I have milk the night before, like I'm not going to be able to work in the morning to the output yeah. that I would like to work, work at. And I haven't, I haven't just got to this level, right? Like these have been like micro trial and errors um, mm-hmm. each and every week. Like I literally had chicken thighs the other week and I was like, okay, yes, I'm not having chicken thighs anymore because mm-hmm. I just felt awful after it. So it's been like lots of little micro decisions to to be in alignment with my energy as well as as a business owner and if there's new coaches listening to this as well it's like having a look at your systems like mm-hmm. what repeatable processes do you have like when you make content is there a process to that okay is there initial idea is there initial scripts then is there initial content actual creation and then is there script writing and then once you have that system down it helps you do everything so much faster and then you can get more done in less time with less stress. So, and then you can do things like I do with the content day and the podcast day type thing. And then again, you're in that workflow that's energizing and you're not jumping from task to task to task to task to task. You're just doing one thing. And then like, it feels, it fills me up to do it that way for sure. Love that. And it resonates again. I was nodding away with, with resonance because a lot of what you were saying about your ADHD resonated with me being HSP and actually like needing to get some real structures in place so that um, so I have less decision fatigue. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that means like I will eat the same thing for breakfast every day mm-hmm. because I know that's what my body needs. That's what I like. And it saves me the overwhelm and decision fatigue. Um, or I might decide to just wear black for a few days in a row because that's easy. <laughs> um, it's like Steve Steve Jobs wore the same thing every day. Yeah. Like there's a reason for that. It's less decisions. Yeah, definitely. It makes a lot of sense. I'd love to ask about your ADHD if I can, because yeah. I've been like through my experience of working with neurodiversity, um, I have found that it is a real, not just in myself, but in my clients, as she says, nearly knocking her microphone completely off. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> I found it's an amazing gift and, and one of my frustrations is how um and I think this is this is due to a lot of our societal systems being quite quite stuck in sort of like the 1970s and not actually embracing positive psychology and kind of where we're at today is sorry these questions are really long today Luke I don't know You're why, okay but, You're um, good. Keep talking. <laughs> is the is the gift of neurodiversity so what I really want to ask you is like tell me more about how that ADHD is a gift and for anyone listening who's got ADHD like how do you tap into that authentic 
energy that is you and that limitless energy supply because your generator as well that comes with that you know being adhd i'd love to know more about that Mm, yeah i want to start by saying i'm not an adhd specialist but i can speak to my own experience so um adhd moment and forgets the exact question that you asked no um so what i would say is like i've got the ability to hyper focus when i'm really when i really like doing something Mm -hmm. so for example um i'm i'm ruthless when when there's something that i want and i'm determined to get it i will just hyper focus on that and i'm like full send this is what i want example so when i came out of the events marketing and sales role um i got another opportunity from a big sister company to actually interview for them and i was a week behind on applications and they said which is such a clever marketing ploy now that i look back at it but they said, hey, like everybody who's going through to the next stage, what we need you to do is get as many email referrals as possible to this link. And then based on how many referrals you get, we will um, we will interview you from there. So they were like, hey, like everybody's been at it. We want you to try and get 100. And I was like, well, I'm going to get more than 100. I'm going to message everyone I know. So in a week, I messaged 3,000 people because I was just like, boom, 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 boom. This is before Facebook put the limits on Mm -hmm. copy and paste. Um, But I didn't find that a challenge. Mm -hmm. I found that as like something really exciting. I just put my music on and I just just sent it. And then um, four days days into me doing doing that, they called me up and they were like, how the hell have you got 600 referrals? Mm -hmm. They were like, like, you've got the interview <laughs> just, like, like, just blown apart by the amount of volume that I'd done in such a short amount of time. And that, that really wasn't messaging people all day, but that was like two, three hours a day. And I had the skills from the previous event, events, marketing side of things. And I kind of pleaded to people's better judgment of helping me out, but yeah, like I'm able to, able to hyper-focus, but again, like with a hyper-focus and then this just from an energy perspective and anyway is you only have so much attention to give in a in a certain day in a certain period so if you're like me and you do have the availability to be full-time with your coaching practice but I can speak to if you're not um my most active periods of my day where I'm able to tackle the most complex tasks is from about 8 8 30 till about 10 10 45 so I don't have that much time to be able to be linear, focused, bang, 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 bang. So what I do with that is I turn off, I mean, I don't have my notifications on my phone anyway, apart from my coaching clients, but I turn off anything that's going to be a distraction and I literally lock in with exactly what I'm going to do. Um, but there is two modes to this with the ADHD side of things. So many people with ADHD or at least what with people I've worked with get overwhelmed because they don't break down their tasks. So if you look at this, like baking a cake, if I told Gemma, Hey, I want you to make you the, I want you to make me the most perfect red velvet cake. Here you go. Like just make a red velvet cake, but I didn't give her any recipe. She's going to be like, well, like how many people, like how big is it? And you how haven't much? seen my baking skills either. It right. Would be right. And I don't know her baking skills. <laughs> you might be, be able to smash it. She might not be able to, but point being, is that if you don't give yourself the recipe to do, 
when you do get in that hyper-focus, you're going to bounce back between creating and having to think about what you're doing and actually doing itself. So if you can put yourself in a space where you've got that exact recipe, like kind of like the models that I was talking about earlier for content, if you know the exact process that you're going to go through, then you can just slam dunk by send it, send it, send it. This is why McDonald's is able to scale so well, because who runs the McDonald's restaurants? Like a bunch of teenagers, right? Mm -hmm. So the reason why they're able to do that is because they've built everything so simple. But think about what if you did that for your life? What if you did that for your business? Or like, there's so many places that you can do this in. Let's say you have kids. Is there a system in process that goes from them waking up to them then putting their clothes on to them breakfast and school? It's a morning routine, right? Essentially, it's a routine. But think about how can you routine everything that you're doing so that you get everything done faster and you actually then have more time and freedom to be in flow and have more creative energy people think it's restrictive it's actually the polar opposite i'm able to get astronomical amounts of things done so then i have the space to do whatever else i'd like to on top of that and still be a maximal output of everything i do if you can focus on the aspect of being more productive and being more efficient then it gives you more space to not panic and that's the that's the way that i've walked around with my adhd like i know that i have this so i'm gonna work with it rather than against it um and just just let it let it, like rather than let it kind of consume me and be like oh like sorry i'm like adhd or like knowing that like i'm probably gonna leave something in every destination i go to like i just came back from traveling and i managed to leave something in every single fucking destination <laughs> that i went to <laughs> everywhere <laughs> but but like knowing that I have that it's also forced me to be better at being organized and being more prepared and because of that that's then carried over not only to my life but my business as well that's amazing you've brought to you've brought to light through a really great example there something that I talk to a lot of my clients about which is that balance of masculine and feminine energy mm-hmm. so it's almost like the um the, the more feminine flowy energy, which is kind of the, the natural state, needs a container to be in, needs mm-hmm. a structure. And once that masculine energy comes in with a structure, that feminine energy can flow. So that's like exactly what you're saying there. By creating these systems and structures, we create this kind of masculine energy, we create this container. Yeah. And then within that container, we firstly know what we're doing. So there's no decision fatigue. And secondly, it's given us that space. So like with your mm-hmm. I love what you said about having, you know, your content day, your podcast day as well. Like, it's almost like, right, this is the day. Like, we knew that this is the time we were having the podcast. Mm. And then we can then flow with that conversation within right. that container. So, yeah, that's right. a really nice kind of description of that um, that blend of energies there and why they're both really important. Because yeah. I think a lot of us, especially when we, we've, like, left the corporate world and um, – or you know any other institutions left university like we're scared, yeah. it's like we're scared right it's like people are scared yeah. to actually put structure in again because they want to be like, free. oh no not we corporate like, shit we're again. entrepreneurs we want to be free and we want to be yeah. free spirits but actually the structures help us to to do that and enable that container for us to be that don't they yeah it's your opportunity to actually build a, a somewhat a corporate company your way and have like something that ties people in in a beautiful manner rather than just like hey work and don't get any appreciation like you can actually build the life and business of your dreams in your most authentic vision by literally stepping into, Hey, like this is the way that I'm going to run this. 
And I'm going to attach a why to all of it. And I'm going to create real meaning around everything that this carries into. And I'm going to really bring that forward to my team. And then as you scale and grow, if that's your choice and that's what you would like to do, then you can do that. But I, I said to my clients that like most people set like I used to set, I used to use going with the flow as, as an excuse. Like I would just say, yeah, I'm going with the flow, but like, it's like, are you going with the flow or are you just using that as an excuse to not have any responsibility for the items that ultimately move you forwards? Cause I'm, I sort of, I think this is why I connect with so many single moms. Like I take such vast responsibility for myself um, in my life, like a single mom or a parent in general, if you decide that you don't want to um, feed your kid one day, well, you're still going to do it, aren't you? Because they need food. Whereas so many business owners, when they start, are like, oh, I don't want to do this thing. I just want to be in flow. But actually, that's just the resistance. Like, th there's still tasks that, I'm going to put quotes, need to get done or that you get to do. But if you constantly keep saying, I need to go into flow, when actually you need to set up the appropriate conditions for you to get into flow. Like, for example, you might work better in a kitchen space. You might work better at a laptop. If you have lots of distractions going on all the time, you're not going to be able to enter that creative space. Like the Elon Musk example type thing. That's three hours of space to him. That's not three hours of, hey, anybody can interrupt me at any time. That's work time. But you can only enter that flow if you give yourself like actually space to do that. It like I taught I taught something on flow a while back, but there's there's so many things that you have to have in place to actually enter true flow state, like having like actually arbitrary numbers, whether you know something's done or not. Like, for example, the 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 numbers that I pushed out for that 3000 comments uh, or 3000 messages, I knew that I was going to reach out to 3000 people. So I can't enter flow state if I said, hey, I'm just going to send some messages. I mean, is that one message or is that is that 200? But so many of us like to bullshit our way around it, right? Gemma, why have I got no sound from you? Oh, we're back. Is it? Are we back? We're I'm back. Like, I saw turn <laughs> you start talking. I was like, oh. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Thank you, microphone. Um, yeah, so oh, I completely forgot what I was saying. Um, it was about the, oh, yes. Yeah, so enough, having enough of a challenge to get into flow state, because it's, mm -hmm. it's that key it's that um key combination isn't it of like enough challenge to get you into mm -hmm. it but not too much challenge that you're stressed and overwhelmed but not right. too little challenge that you're bored is that like optimal so yeah I like that kind mm -hmm. of having those numbers and I also mm -hmm. really like what you said your mic's gone again Gemma is it your hair is your bop are you bopping your hair? hair I wish I had hair, hair like Gemma for real I actually did one at one time. <laughs> at the mic for the rest. Is that, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Brilliant. Okay, we'll just do it like this. Um, yeah, so, yeah, so I love, I don't know how much of that anyone heard, but um, I love that you talked about the business, like um, someone's business being like a parent to a child. And this is something I've always said because I've made the decision not to have children. Like I always say, my business is my baby. Mm -hmm. and like it really is like you want your child to grow and to develop and like you say you wouldn't just not feed your child one day yeah that's what mm -hmm. we do with our businesses so like if if this is our 
our dream and our vision then we have to feed it like we have to we have to treat it like it is our baby so um yeah I really liked that I really like that analogy yeah I like it I like to look at it as like if you're new to starting a business or you're considering starting a business there's I'm not going to bullshit you when you run a startup there's there's some grind there is like I'm not gonna I've had mentors talk to me and say like hey like you can do this without grinding there are days like there are days that are there but like it's the same with raising a kid and this isn't personal experience but this is just like the analogy that I like to look at that I was taught by a mentor that does have a child Mm -hmm. so passing it on so stage one is you've got your baby right an actual genuine baby that's that's a care that's a lot of lot of time maybe some sleepless nights we'll avoid them if we can but you really gotta like put a lot in then when you start leveling up they get to toddler stage okay like they're able to do a little things by themselves. There's maybe a little bit of automation there. There's a bit of systems. Then stepping into teenager, like, okay, maybe you have some team members for you. You can do some things, but you're still going to need to have a, a bit of input within, within their life. And then you, as you step into young adult, it's like, okay, the business is largely running without you. You could take a two-week vacation and you're going to be good. Um, and then come back and you you might have to tidy up some loose ends, but it's going to be pretty good. But then as as your business develops into this scaling, growing business, then you ultimately could take six months out and you'll be you'll be good and it'll still grow into the beast that it can be. But you can't expect it to jump from baby to to adult in a day, which is what everybody wants, but it genuinely, genuinely, like it's not going to happen like that. You have to have systems. You have to build things out. It's something that we're doing with my clients at the moment. I was just like, Hey, like, I want you to have a business that works without you. Cause I know that's what you want, <laughs> but it's not going to happen if we don't have this initial stage put in. And I get it. You have resistance to doing these certain tasks, but what if we did this task for three months? And then because you did it for three months and you can, were consistent with it, and it worked, which it does, then you don't have to worry about it. That would be pretty good. And it's the same for people's fitness goals, the same for people's like authenticity goals, right? Their confidence goals. It's like, hey, you might you might have some resistance to the tasks that you're doing right now. It may feel a little bit uncomfortable. Like I dance on my stories now in public and I never used to do that. But that started with, hey, I'm going to dance on my story a little bit and I'm going to do like 10 seconds. And now I'm going to dance a little bit more and dance a little bit more. And now I'll do it happily in public. I don't care. I danced in my pajamas on my stories the other day. I took it that little level fairly. Right. But it doesn't happen by you saying, hey, I just want to be able to dance in front of public straight away. It's going to take some little baby steps. Maybe you can. Maybe you can push outside your comfort zone that much. If you can, cool, do it. But little jumps outside of your comfort zone are definitely a little bit easier and aren't going to trigger your amygdala as much than if you do a big one so if you can walk that through in business and life mm. you're good and there's a difference between this is a really important point here there's a difference between something feeling uncomfortable and not being in alignment there will be things that are in alignment that start to feel uncomfortable and sometimes they do feel uncomfortable because they are in alignment as well right. so because it's right. showing us that discomfort is showing us that that's meant for us so right 100 percent so we're coming towards the end of the podcast and I could chat to you for two hours, Luke. So we could easily do like a part two, but um, <laughs> what would be, and I always ask my guests, if you were to just, and you've shared so much um, amazing stuff there. So thank you. But what would be like your number one tip to getting in touch with 
your most authentic self. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to embody something that I've been going through recently. And I recognize that nobody actually knows their values. Nobody knows their values, like genuinely core values. People are like, oh, yeah, I sort of want to I want to have a family and I want to I want to like do that. That's not a fucking value. Mm. It's, it's not. So when you look at your values, there's a few different categories that we could go in. Right. We've got family. We've got friends. We've got environment you flourish in. We've got um, relationships. There's there's a few take those down as your initial notes. Then what you're going to do is sit there consciously and say, okay, what kind of values would I align with? And just think with it. It might be, if you have friends, you might want to be around growth oriented people. You might be one around positive people, these types of things, walk yourself. Then from there, once you've gone through those, you're going to say, Hey, what would be my um, away values so what would push me away if I had all of these initial first values what would push me away then once you figured out those away values okay what would make me truly go like let's say I'm in a relationship what would be the types of things that would have to make me go okay maybe cheating or maybe disloyalty maybe lying whatever then once you've got those we want to say hey if all of my values were in alignment and this initial go thing happened, what would make me stay? You might actually have something that keeps you in alignment. Like for example, if I was in a relationship and somebody cheated, if we reestablished boundaries and reestablished where we were at, I would consider restaying if they were in true alignment with my initial, initial values. But then if they broke them again, okay, then bye. But then asking yourself, what does that mean to you? Then once, what does that mean to you? How does that feel to you? And then once, how does that feel to you? It's why is this important to you? And then once you've got that why clarity, it's once you've experienced all of these things, what do you then get to experience? And for me, for example, that's the life that I've truly always wanted to have. That's my authentic version of my life. But you're not going to understand your authentic version of your life if you don't understand where you want to go because everybody bases their life off of their past version. They say, okay, I know I don't want to be that, but then that leaves them somewhere stuck in the middle of like, okay, well, I know what I don't want to be, but, but like, who do I want to be? Like, where do I want to be? Like, what is my authentic version of yourself? So if you can get clarity around your authentic version of yourself, and if you don't want to do that entire values thing and just ask yourself, what feels authentic to me and just write mm -hmm. from there, that's going to give you some clarity again. And I think that's the important bit is once you have clarity, start moving towards that. And if it feels right, it feels right. If it doesn't, it doesn't, but you're not going to know until you actually take that step. So take the step. Amazing. Thank you, Luke. That is an amazing tip to end on um, how to connect to our authentic selves. And um, I will pop your show notes, um, pop your show notes, I'll pop your details. It's late <laughs> in the day. I'm a morning person. You're good. Um, I will pop your details in the show notes, um, but feel free to share how we can get in touch with you and um, anything you'd like the viewers and listeners to know before we end today. Yeah, of course. Um, if there's anything that I, I want you to know for sure is like along this road, like Recognize there might be a time where you feel a little bit alone as you're trying to search for your authentic self, and that's okay. Um, recognize there might be some comparison, but recognize that you can't compare yourself to somebody else's journey because you've lived an entire different life, and that's unfair. 
Like I would never wish for somebody to live the life that I've had because that's created what I've had. And the same as I wouldn't wish to have lived Gemma's life because I don't know everything that she's been through and that would be unfair. But on the aspect of that, if you want to find me, best place is Instagram. I am Luke Anning, I-A-M-L-U-K-E-A-N-N-I-N-G. Almost forgot to... I just spell my name. name. (laughs) And then we've got the podcast is the Happy Positive Energy Game. We're live on Spotify and uh, season four will be out on YouTube and Apple Podcasts as well. We've got all sorts. So from money mindset to confidence to authenticity, I literally did an episode on values that I talked about earlier. Um, And we have some pretty awesome guests as well come on from time to time. So yeah, honestly, it would just be great to connect with you if you felt like anything landed in this like tag me and Gemma and your socials I think that would be a really great space to be and um yeah Gemma I really appreciate you amazing I appreciate you so much Luke thank you so much for being my guest today you're welcome <laughs>